You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want you to take your Bible tonight, turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel chapter number 17. 2 Samuel chapter number 17 this evening. Certainly is a delight to be in the house of the Lord, midweek service. Thank the Lord we have a church that still believes in the midweek service. And uh, it's always good to have a little refresher, uh, a little charge to help make it through the rest of the week. And we're certainly uh, thrilled to be here tonight and thank you for being in your place. Tonight our text will be taken from 2 Samuel chapter 17. And when you found your place, if you're physically able, I'd ask you to stand together with me as we read our scripture text out of honor and reverence to the Word of God. 2 Samuel chapter number 17. We're going to take up our reading in verse number 27. 2 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 27. And it came to pass when David was come to Manahim that Shobai the son of Nahash of Rabbah of the children of Ammon and Maker the son of Amiel of Lodibar and Barzillai the Gileadite of Rogelam brought beds and basins and earthen vessels and wheat and barley and flour and parched corn and beans and lentils and parched pulse and honey and butter and sheep and cheese of kind for David and for the people that were with him to eat. For they said the people is hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. Our Heavenly Father, as we come before you tonight, how thrilled we are to be in your house. Lord, what a blessing it is that you and your wise providence understood exactly what we would need and you established for us the church. You gave us a place where we can come, we can fellowship, we can be instructed, we can be encouraged, we can be inspired to go out and to serve you and to live for you. And I pray now as we look to your word that you would open our eyes. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that your perfect will would be accomplished in every life that's here tonight. May you get honor and glory unto yourself. We'll thank you and praise you for all that you do. For we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Our text for consideration this evening comes from an event in the life of David. David, the great shepherd king of Israel, uh, the greatest king probably that Israel ever had. He had a heart after God, and that's exactly what you want when you're looking for a shepherd. Well, one who has a heart like God has. And David had a, was a man after God's own heart. And, but in this situation, in this circumstance of which we're reading, things are not going well. It's a time of difficulty and a time of distress, a time of trouble. David the king has been forced to flee Jerusalem because there has been a coup uh, uh, mounted against his reign. In chapter 15 through chapter 17, we read of how this all began to unfold. And if we were to take time and go back and set the scene, we would see that in these chapters we read of a man 
who hurt the king. In fact, it was the king's own son. His name was Absalom. In these three chapters, 15, 16, and 17, Absalom's name appears over 40 times. And it never appears in a good light. It's always negative. It's always bad. And Absalom, though his father David had done much for him, Absalom did not return that kindness with kindness, but rather he returned it with hostility and anger and plotting and conniving, and he sought to overthrow his father. So he's a man who hurt the king. In these chapters, we would also read of a man who hated the king. His name was Ahithophel. Ahithophel was a man who at one time walked with David, fellowshiped with David. He was, in fact, David's counselor. But something had come into his life that turned him bitter, made him angry. And we'll discuss what that was later on as we read our scripture text and look at it. But I'm not so interested tonight in the man who hurt the king. I'm not so interested in the man who hated the king, but in our text, we read of some men who helped the king. Could I just say, I don't want my life to be spent trying to hurt other people. I don't want my life to be structured and built around hating other people. I want my life to be about helping other people, and especially my king. Though times may not be good, though things may look difficult, I'm glad that I have a king who is worthy of my best effort, even in difficult days, and I want to help him. Now, there are three of these men who are specifically noted in our text. Very familiar names, I'm sure to you, probably many of you, uh, perhaps some of you who are in the stage of preparing for a child, you're looking at one of these names to name your children. How many of you would like to be named Shobai? Yes, exactly. Or Maker, or Barzillia. Unusual names, different names. But could I just say this? These are men who honored and supported the king at a time when few were doing so. These were men who helped and served the king at a time when few would. And so what can we learn from these men? I want us to look at them very briefly tonight for just a few moments. First of all, we come to Shobai. The Bible says in verse 27, that it came to pass when David was come to Mahananim, uh, that Shobai, the son of Nahash of Rabbah, of the children of Ammon. Here is the first man that is mentioned what about this man with a strange name? Well, the Bible tells us something about him. In fact, it gives us his description. Here is what the Holy Spirit determines that we need to know about him. First of all, he is an Ammonite. That doesn't start off very well, does it? You know who the Ammonites and the Moabites were, don't you? They were the descendants, they were the, the families that were born of Lot and his daughters when that wickedness was committed in that cave after they escaped the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And those two families, the Ammonites and the Moabites, had a perpetual hatred and animosity toward the people of God. They were often their enemies. He's an Ammonite. Not only that, he's the son of Nahash. Now that's important for us to remember. And the Bible tells us that he's the son of Nahash of Rabbah. Now you say, what does that mean? Well, let's turn back for just a moment to 2 Samuel chapter number 10. 2 Samuel chapter number 10. Verse number one, and it came to pass after this that the king of the children of Ammon died and Hanun his son reigned in his stead. Then said David, I will show kindness unto Hanun the son of Nahash as his father showed kindness unto me. And David sent to comfort him by the hand of his servants for his father. And David's servants came into the land of the children of Ammon. The princes of the children of Ammon said unto Hanun their Lord, Thinkest thou that David doth honor thy father, that he has sent comforters unto thee? Hath not David rather sent his servants unto thee to search the city, to spy it out, and to overthrow it? Wherefore Hanun took David's servants and shaved off the one half of their beards and cut off their garments in the middle, even to their buttocks, and sent them away. When they told it unto David, he sent to meet them because the men were greatly ashamed. The king said, tarry at Jericho until your beards be grown and then return. So he's the son of the king of Ammon. He's the brother of Hanan. His brother is the king of the Ammonites. Now think about this. Here's a guy whose heritage is corrupt. Here is a man whose father evidently is a conniver. His father shows kindness unto David, but why did he show kindness unto David? It was when David was a fugitive from Saul, very likely plotting and planning to continue the strife between Saul and David because as long as the strife between Saul and David existed, Israel was in a weakened condition. His heritage is corrupt. His father is conniving. His brother is contemptible. David tries to show kindness to him, and his brother takes David's servants, shaves off half of their beards, cuts half their garments off, and sends them away, really, in a sense, being defiled or being mistreated before the world. So his heritage is corrupt, his father is conniving, his brother is contemptible. But Shobai has been changed. Something's happened to this guy. You know what he said? Here's his decision. He said, I will not let my family define me. It does not matter what was in my past. It does not matter what my family lineage is. It does not matter what others in my family have done or what path they have chosen. I am going to serve the king. I am going to be loyal to this one who is the best I have ever known. I am going to do my part. I am going to do everything I can to make sure that what he needs is provided and those who serve him have their needs met. You know, I kind of like Shobai, don't you? My children are probably glad that we're not having children anymore because I might name one of them Shobai after this. 
Could I just say sometimes if we're not careful, we allow our past. We allow our family perspective to skew what we're doing. Well, I can't serve God or I couldn't do something for God because you know about my father, you know about my mother, you know about my grandparents or look at what my brother's doing. Can I just say, be like Shobai and say, I can't help what all they're doing. I can't determine what choices they're gonna make. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm gonna be involved. I'm gonna make a decision that my family will not define me. I'm gonna make my own choice and I'm gonna serve God with my life. There's Shobai, a changed man. He would not let family define him. But then we notice a second man in this story. His name is Maker. The Bible says in that same verse, verse number 27, and Maker, the son of Amiel of Lodibar. Now again, the scriptures give us some reference points to this man. They give us some insights. If we'll take the time to read what the Holy Spirit has said. You know, sometimes our problem is we brush over important things because to us at the outset, they don't seem that significant. But could I just say to you, if it's in the word of God, it's significant. If it were not significant, God would not have put it in there to start with. And all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And so let's consider what the Holy Spirit has to say about this man by the name of Maker. Now notice his description. He is the son of Amiel. You say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, again, we have to turn to one of those favored passages of scriptural, Scripture, those opening chapters of 1 Chronicles. You know, those that you like to memorize, like those first 10 chapters, that when you read them, you think, why couldn't they name their kids Jim and John and Susie and Sally? Well, we come to 1 Chronicles chapter 3, and when, we, when we're introduced in chapter 3 and verse number 1, now these were the sons of David. So the Bible is going to begin to give us a little bit of David's family tree, his descendants. And it tells us about some who were born in Hebron, and it tells us about some, uh, about the different wives that he had. And, and then we get to verse number five. And the Bible says, and these were born unto him in Jerusalem, Shimeah, and Shobab, and Nathan, and Solomon, four of Bathsheba, the daughter of Amiel. Now remember who this man maker was? He was the son of Amiel. I cannot prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt, but I'm about 95% sure that if this is the same Amiel in both of these passages of scripture, that would make this man maker the brother of Bathsheba. By the way, that also makes him the grandson of Ahithophel. Remember Ahithophel who hated David so much? The reason for his hatred or the place where his hatred evidently began to spring forth and spring up was the fact that David had taken his granddaughter, had killed her husband Uriah, had taken her to be his wife, and because of that Ahithophel's heart was turned against David. Now we have poor Maker, 
On the one side, he has Bathsheba, whom he loves, his sister, who loves David. On the other side, we have Ahithophel, his grandfather, who hates David. Don't think you're the only one with a messed up family and a family that is torn apart and a family that is at strife and a family that you're thinking, oh Lord, please help the family reunion to be a time I can't show up. You know, you walk around on tiptoes wondering if I say the wrong thing, who's gonna bite my head off? Who's gonna attack me now? Can I tell you, that's a part of life. There are no perfect families. There was one in the Garden of Eden. It didn't take them long to mess up. And since that point, it has been chaos ever since. So just understand it's family and you love them in spite of who they are, in spite of what they are. You just let them bite your head off and you just keep on going. You don't wrap your life up in trying to please this one or that one or both of them. You just have to say, okay, that's who they are. I'm just gonna deal with it. Now notice, not only does it tell us that he's the son of Amiel, but it's the son of Amiel of Lodabar. Now let's go back again to 2 Samuel chapter number nine. Remember the story of Mephibosheth? Isn't it interesting how all of these stories tie together, all of these characters are a part of the same story? 2 Samuel chapter nine, remember David wants to show kindness to somebody for Jonathan's sake. And so he begins to inquire, is there anybody left of the house of Saul? Is there any descendants of Jonathan? And they say to him, well, there's one guy, his name is Mephibosheth. Verse number four of 2 Samuel chapter nine, and the king said unto him, where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, behold, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel in Lodibar. So not only is this guy the son of Amiel, he's the brother of Bathsheba, he's the grandson of Ahithophel, and he has been the host for Meshibapheth while he is in Lodibar. You know, poor maker, he's got it coming and going. You know, maker had an excuse In fact, Maker had every excuse for not serving the king. If he just wanted to use them. He could have said, I'm Bathsheba's brother, so I've been hurt. I can't do anything for the king. He could have said, I'm Ahithophel's grandson. I'm caught. If I do something for the king, my grandfather will be mad at me. If I don't do something for the king, then my sister will be mad at me. So I'm just not gonna do anything. I'm gonna try to play safe. I'm gonna be in the middle. I'm caught, I can't choose a side. He could have said, I was Mephibosheth's host when he was down in Lodabar. I watched over him, I cared for him. I'm spent, I've done enough. I have given enough, I have sacrificed enough. I have done my part. There is no reason for me to do something for the king. But he didn't say I'm hurt. He didn't say, I'm caught. He didn't say, I'm spent. He said, I'm here. I'll do what I can. Could I just say, Maker is a committed man. Maker is a man who makes a commitment that he will not let excuses dismiss him from serving the king. Could I just say what we need in our churches across America are some makers sitting in the pews 
who will just say, yes, I may have been hurt. Yes, I may be caught. There may be some who are in favor and some who are against it. And I like people on both sides. Maybe you feel like I've spent, I've served and I've served and I've given and I've done and I've tried. But why don't you just say, I'm not gonna make an excuse to dismiss myself or exempt myself. I'm just gonna say, Lord, here am I. Where do you want me to serve? How can I serve? What can I do for the cause of Christ? Shobai was a changed man. He's not gonna let family define him. Maker is a committed man. He's not gonna let excuses dismiss him. And then we come to the third of these characters, a man by the name of Barzillai, the Gileadite of Rogelum. Now again, the name Barzillai is an unusual name. I kinda like the name. The name means made of iron. Isn't that a good name? It's a strong name for a strong man. It means strong, made of iron. Now notice his description. Here we're not given too much information about Barzillai. It just says he's a Gileadite of Rogelum. But if we turn over to chapter number 19, we get some more information and we get a description. We learn some things about Barzillai. I want you to notice what the Bible says in chapter 19 and verse number 32. Now, Barzillai was a very aged man, even fourscore years old. First thing we know about him, he's an old man. He's 80 years old. Now, if you're 80 years old and you don't want to be called old, don't get angry with me, I'm just reading the scriptures. The scriptures describe 80 as a very aged man. Now, I don't know what that means, I just know that's what the Bible says. So he is a very aged man. Notice not only is he an aged man, it seems that he's apparently near death. Look at verse number 34. And Barzillai said unto the king, how long have I to live that I should go up with the king into Jerusalem? Evidently, he felt that the hour of his death was close at hand. So here is a man who is aged. Here is a man who is approaching death. Not that every aged man is approaching death, but this man is. You know, sometimes you approach death as a young person. Sometimes you approach it as a middle-aged person. Sometimes you approach it as a very aged person. And sometimes you're just like Enoch. You just live until the Lord says, come home and you're gonna be out of here. And I'm praying that's what happens to us all. I mean, I, I'd rather just check out without going through the grave. Like one fellow said, I'm not looking for the undertaker, I'm looking for the upper taker. Now notice, he's an aged man. He's apparently near death. And this man, Barzillai, his abilities have diminished. Look at verse number 35. He said, I am this day fourscore years old, and can I discern between good and evil? Now, I'm not sure if he's talking about the fact that his eyesight has faded to the point where he can't really look at something and tell if it's good or bad. And as we age many times, one of the things that fails us is our eyesight. But you know, he could have been talking about the fact that his 
mental faculties are beginning to fail. No longer can I really discern, no longer can I really make a clear judgment between something that's good or something that's bad. You know, sometimes I have trouble just, just contemplating and figuring and reconciling in my mind. So I don't know if it's his eyesight, I don't know if it's his mind, but it's fading, whatever it is. Not only that, his taste is gone. He said, can thy servant taste what I eat or what I drink? He said, it's all the same to me. You can serve me caviar or you can serve me bologna and I can't tell the difference. I mean, I could have steak in the morning. I could have, uh, you know, potted meat for supper and I wouldn't know the difference. It's just all the same. Not only that, but his hearing is gone. He says, can I hear anymore the voice of singing men and singing women? He said, I, I watch them, they get up there, their lips move, I know they're saying something, but I can't really hear what they're singing. I mean, some of us can relate to certain parts of that, some more than others. I mean, here's a guy, he is an aged man, he's apparently approaching death, and he has, his abilities have severely diminished from what he was. He's not like Caleb. You know, we got some around here who are like Caleb. They're like, I'm 80 years old, my strength has not abated. Give me that mountain. I'm hoping I'm that way when I'm 80, but I'm not that way when I'm 50. <laughs> so we have his description. He, he, here is a man who age has se severely debilitated his abilities. But notice his decision. He determined that he would not let frailty deter him. He said, I'm not going to worry about what I can't do. I can't really discern, right? Bad, uh, good, and evil. I, I, I can't really taste what I eat. I can't really hear what people are saying. But I'm not going to focus on what I can't do. I'm going to focus on what I can do. And what I can do is I can get together some stuff. I can bring some beds and basins and earthen vessels I can't help supply some wheat and barley and flour and parched corn and beans and lentils and parched pulse. I can gather up some honey and butter and sheep and cheese of kind. Uh, these people are hungry, these people are weary, my king needs my help, and I can do something for the king. You know, I, really what we need is we need some people who, yeah, you might not be able to do all that you used to do, you might not be as quick as you used to be, might not be as sharp as you used to be, but can I say quit focusing on what you can't do anymore and find what you can do. Here's what the psalmist said. The psalmist said in Psalm 71 and verse number 17, O God, thou hast taught me from my youth and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation. We need some people who will say, man, I'm not as quick as I used to be. I'm not as fast as I used to be. I don't have the abilities I used to have. But Lord, I want to hang on. I want to serve. I want to do something so I can show this generation thy power. I want them to see that you can even use an old man. You can use an old woman. You can do something through us. We may not be all we used to be, but we can be something for the glory of God. You know, in Psalm verse uh, 91, or Psalm 92 and verse number 13, here's what the Bible says. I'll tell you how to be effective for God as an old person. 
Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. Can I say you can be fruitful for God? You say, but I'm up in years, preacher. Well, praise God, that's just more for God to work with. Because God will get more glory, the less ability, the less talent, the less skill we have, the more glory God gets and God delights in getting glory unto himself. He's just looking for somebody he can use. Shobai, a changed man, he would not let family define him. Maker, a committed man, he would not let excuses dismiss him. Barzillai, a consecrated man, he would not let frailty deter him. Now here's the question tonight. What about you? What about me? Will I let or will you let some family or frailty stand in our way of serving God? Will we find some excuse to exempt ourselves, Or will we at a time when few will, will we determine we're going to honor and serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They sang the song tonight, casting our crowns at his feet. In order to cast our crowns at his feet, we're going to have to earn a crown. And I thought as they were singing, I almost leaned over to Brother Martinez, said, I hope I have a crown. Must I go and empty-handed, thus my dear Redeemer meet? Have nothing to give. I'm afraid that the halls of heaven will be lined with people who showed up empty-handed. But here's the good news. Even if you're a showbuy, Whatever that is, bad family, I mean not a good situation, you can still serve the king. Even if you're a maker, you've been hurt, you've been spent, you're caught, you can still serve the king. Even though you might be a Barzillai, you have lived a long life and your abilities are not what they once were, you can still serve the king. And I want you to notice that everyone that served the king it was written into the eternal record. Oh, could I just say there is an eternal record being written tonight in heaven. And when the books are open, I want my name to be there that I served the King. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.